Kane is in the building. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the 3P Podcast. This is the second episode of the eighth season, and we got a, another great episode for you lined up tonight. A lot to talk about in the world of football with week two, just past week three approaching, so a lot for us to dive into. For this week's episode, I'm your host, Alex Castle, and as always, I have the pleasure of being joined by Stephen Benazzo, Josh Ramowitz, and TJ Hummel. Like I said, a lot to take away from this week, too. And uh, I think we got to start by what's going on in the Windy City. Stevie, Stevie, Stevie. You know, we, we were going back and forth in our group chat today, and you you, you were getting some hate from Mr. Fromwitz. But, you know, uh, I, I do feel for you in a sense. You know, you're you're the only Chicago fan here, and uh, you, you got to watch your boys from afar all the way in Connecticut. So... A lot, a lot going on today with those Bears. Defensive coordinator leaves. Justin Fields coming out in the media, blaming the coaching for these issues. Then has to come back and retract his statement. There's no real formal uh, press from the Bears about what's going on. It just seems like the team's all over the place. Then, of course, one of your left tackles is going on the IR. So, Stevie, how do rookie, you... Rookie, also, not just... He's a rookie. Second year, second year left tackle. Thought he was a rookie. That's that is Darnell Wright on the right side. This is Braxton Jones on the left side, our fifth round rookie last year. So second year guy. Thank you. So Thank hold you. your horses there, Fromitz. Hold your that's horses. Why, uh, that's why Stevie's our Chicago guy. So Stevie, week three is approaching against the reigning Super Bowl champs the Kansas city chiefs who did not look good, look great last week against the Jags, but you, you guys have bigger fish to fry. So taking everything that's come from today, how, how do you, how do you not only go into week three against playing against Patrick Mahomes, but the rest of the season, because you know, we talked about the Bears last last year, and you were very hyped with what Poles was doing, adding pieces to both sides of the ball, especially the defense too. And now you lose your DC in a in a big week against the best quarterback in in all of football. So, how how do you, as a fan, buckle up for for the rest of the season? Well, Castle, this is something that uh, Bears fans, including myself now, who have been around for quite a while have become accustomed to, to say the least. Um, so I've kind of, not that this, I mean, today was just wild. It seemed like every news that was coming out of like NFL reporters on Twitter was only about the Bears, whether it's about Fields or DC, uh, the Bears released their backup, Nathan Peterman quarterback, and now that, undrafted rookies now this backup so now people think that 
he's going to take Fields' job within like the next couple of weeks. So everything, like I didn't see one thing for another team. I just just uh, what just got dropped not too long ago with Minnesota getting Cam Akers. Besides that, all the news today was from the Bears. So I'll start off with the like probably the one topic that you can talk the least about. So Braxton Jones going on the IR with a neck injury. That sucks. Um, He's our left tackle. He is pretty good. Like, I want it's tough to say who our best lineman is because we have a rookie. So it's tough to say after two games, he's our best lineman. Really, our best lineman is Tevin Jenkins, and he's out. Cody Whitehair just is not the same Cody Whitehair he once was. Lucas Patrick is not too good. And that leaves Braxton Jones. So really, Braxton Jones is like one of our top linemen. Um, and that's saying something because he's a second year, fifth round guy. So, but he he has been pretty solid. Now, I couldn't watch the game on Sunday because they weren't on TV, even though Fox, at least around here, didn't air any one o'clock games on Fox. I don't get why. They could have easily put the Bears on because the Giants played at four, the Jets played at four, and the Patriots were playing Sunday night. So they very well could have put just any game on. And so, anyways. So I couldn't watch it. I was I was obviously checking Twitter, checking my fantasy apps, everything. So I don't know when he could have gotten hurt. Um, and even like no one said, like, it's not like he like mispracticed. Like it was just like today, boom, he's on the landed on the. I got a notification while I was at work that he's landing on the IR with a neck injury that possibly could end his season. So I'm gonna keep on like you know checking in on that because. If it's for the season, I mean, that's just another check to the box of tanking. Now let's hop to, I'll hop to the Allen Williams DC situation, even though that's probably the biggest situation, but that's one I want to kind of talk about the least. It's all, a lot of it was rumors. You know, like his house getting raided, the whole Hallis Hall getting raided. Like, come on. If Hallis Hall was getting raided, I think we would have seen like like ESPN NFL Live would have had been posted up there if House Hall got raided by like the FBI or whoever was like raiding. So like like you know everyone's just you know who knows it and we I mean we kind of are not totally in the industry but we you know we went to school for that we're kind of in the industry like we kind of know how it is. So once someone gets a rumor and they they want to kind of like be the first one to report it, so boom. And then it turns out to be false. So sometimes is it worth it to get it out first, even though it ends up being false because it came out false? So I don't know what his deal is. At first, I was thinking maybe because he has not really coached that defense well. Like last year, the Bears, Bears defense was quite horrendous. Um, even though they had some glaring needs, but still, like it still had some solid guy. I mean, the secondary last year, you know, like between Brisker, um, Jalen Johnson, Bojack, Eddie Jackson, um, Jalen Johnson, like you got some dogs in the secondary, and then all right, last year the linebackers were a little weak, and then the D line. All right, so you weren't the best defense, but then this year you get Tremaine Edmonds, you get TJ Edwards, you get some guy, you get Yannick Nangok. And Gakwe. So, and he's still just not seeing any like difference of play or any like sort of like, and then we drafted Tyreek Stevenson, second round corner. So, 
the defense has guys, and the fact that they're still looking this bad was just possibly a sign on him, the coaching, um, because Matt Eberflus let him call the plays. So at first I thought maybe this was kind of the Bears' way and Matt Eberflus's way to say, like, you're not living to, up to expectations. Just kind of take some time, um, and this will be kind of your way out instead of us just firing you straight up. That was kind of my take. Now it seems like the situation is kind of taken to new, you know, everyone saying with whole like his house getting raided or now like for health reasons and family reasons. So we don't know. No, no one knows. Only he knows. And possibly like Ebert Flus and, um, and some of the defensive coaches. So I think if it really was that much of a big, big deal, the players would be a lot more like kind of like, fishy you know like kind of like um with they'd their be more vocal about it they'd more be vocal. yeah like in their interviews and stuff. Their coach a little bit. yeah like interviews and stuff like they wouldn't just be talking like they would probably be like you know coaches going through some like but none not that i heard of anyone talk about his situation so until it really comes out i don't think anyone can say anything and it's already like known that um that it's nothing as crazy as it felt like earlier in the day so that's that so he's gone he's no longer the dc Ibrafus will probably call the shots we'll see if he makes it any better i mean he was a and fantastic so one of the things that i saw which was interesting and that's really how i got familiar with the story is Ibrafus took over the play calling this past sunday right and the old dc um he was no he wasn't at the game at all right no, yeah, he um he missed Tampa Bay's game, so it came out like probably this time last week that he was gonna um he was placed on leave and he was gonna you know miss Sunday's last Sunday's game against Tampa. So then Eberflus was calling you know gonna call the defense. So now I'm assuming for the rest of the year, Eberflus is not gonna bring on a D. De- he'll just kind of you know eat all the position coaches are still there. It's not like half the defensive staff got fired. Just Adam. Allen Williams, uh, Williams just resigned. So that's that with that. I mean, granted, like it wasn't like he was doing superb, but like, well, he's not like a Vic Fangio, you know, if Vic Fangio like left, I would be like, man, what the hell? But like Allen Williams, I, he seemed like a good guy. seems like he knows a game of football, but for some reason just wasn't cut out to be a D coordinator, at least with this. And he had a very nice statement very respect, you know, he said he had the utmost respect for the McCaskey family, the Bears organization, you know, Matt Eberflus, the players, everything. So it really was, he didn't like kind of leave on bad terms, but there's something going on with that situation. So anyways, now on to Fields. Same thing. And the, the media, and you guys are familiar with the New York media, New York media, LA media, Chicago media. I mean, it's, they like to stretch everything. It's big markets. And they just want the clicks. So now Fields did mention coaching with about his struggles, but like he, you know, like he called like it's not he's not saying that. Now listen, it probably he I'm sure he does probably inside to his core do, does believe like all right, like the coaching is really not helping me, or these play calls are really like just stupid. Um, so he's trying to say in the the professional way, proper way, without 
seeming like he's a self, you know, like a selfish guy, like a dick, you know, he's throwing his coaches under the bus. Like, no, he's trying to remain a professional and like, especially a position like quarterback where you're a leader of the team. And he's like, I believe he is a captain. So the fact that the media then just kept saying coaching and they didn't, they, they like, they would just literally like clipped or posted on their Instagram, Twitter, just it's coaching. They didn't add any more context to it. So that's why he, at the end of practice, told the media, come back over here. Let me, you know, let me read kind of phrase. And he said it from the start. He said, I shouldn't have even said, I should have just said it was, you know, like I need to play better point blank. But um, he goes, he, he like, and he told the media, media at that after practice he goes i try to give you guys more kind of behind the scenes look more information just so he goes i respect what you guys do you got a job to do so he's like i want to give you more of that information and kind of from where i'm coming from but then he's like and they almost felt betrayed because he's like but then you take it and you just word it the way you want to benefit you so i'm not saying feels is a perfect guy you know but he's being honest like a, like a lot of like we want to see honesty half the time they're just saying the same generic stuff you know and you get tired of that so he kind of said like like listen all this information that i'm trying to process and do during the game i'm not playing freely like in his high school days ohio state he was just playing free he was playing just the game he knew and now that he's in the nfl he has he has all this professional coaching and they're you know they want him they want to develop him into something. So he's trying to like help them out by doing that and learn from them and take on that role. But now it's making him a 10 times worse quarterback. A quarterback to where I'm like, as much as I love him, yeah, I think maybe we need a tank for a Caleb. I never thought I would say that. I've been trying to support him from day one. I really thought he would be the one. And Fromitz would always jokes with me, but you know, I I was like, nah, yeah, you know, he sends all the memes and makes all the jokes, and I just kind of take it and just sometimes laugh it off him, or I just completely ignore him. Um, so now we'll see. Maybe he, maybe I hope he does just say, "F this!" Like I'm playing free. I'm playing Justin Fields football. If there's pressure and no one's open, I'm running instead of taking the sack or. If, like, I'm not just going to take the check down, if I see someone open downfield, I'm going to throw to them. Like, whatever was stopping him from just playing quarterback like he used to in high school and college, then, like, do it. So, everything just gets taken out of context, and, you know, then it makes him look like he's a bad guy, even worse player. He even doesn't, you know, like, he just, um, he just doesn't know what he's doing, and, and he's not taking responsibility for him because he is. He knows he needs to play better. But he probably realizes, like, listen, I've been trying to play a certain way for because my coaches want me to, but now it's not working, and I've had enough. And he probably senses, like, everyone's on the hot seat. He's on the hot seat. Ibrahim is on the hot seat only to year two of this whole polls run. So he knows, like, his time's running out. If he wants to make a change, he's got to do it now. And that's what I got to say. But like the the thing is, it's not like it's a wild take or a wrong take. Like what's so the reaction he got is because of how much truth there is to it. And you even admitted that, yeah, 
it's odd that a quarterback would say that, but he's not wrong at all. Like if you you watch the Bear games, you see that the offense is horrendous. The defense is a different story, but the offense that we were talk we were talking about. They're, they haven't scored 20 or more points in a game since week 11 of last season. They're on a 12-game losing streak currently. They Something has to change, but Fields, it, I, I like that he said he the offense looks robotic because it does, and it, it maybe it's a shell of him. Maybe he's lived up to his potential. We don't know, but I don't find it like a bad take that he – that he said that because it's true. No, it is true. And I completely agree. And um, because he, he did like last, like the green Bay game and last Sunday, he did just look robotic. He just looked like he didn't know what to do. He just kind of was just taking, like he wasn't playing like last year, the second there was pressure, he was taken off, but it was working. Um, When he was like rated as like one of the highest quarterbacks, not only fantasy, but just like in general over that, like little week, um, stretch their mid mid to late year um, mid to late season last year so you yeah, know he does and the whole like offense just looks like they're going through the motions that they've done in practice but none of them are just playing like free if something breaks down they're not like they're just doing what they need to and if it's not there it's not there so if it's not there like receivers keep running around try to find open feels like move around and either take off or move around because you can bathe them and then try to find someone that's why i want to see half the time of the football like, yeah, you can go in with a game set, like a set game plan or a set play. You know, sometimes a play works beautifully and it just works like that and you don't need to. But half the time, like look at Mahomes. Half the time he's just playing backyard football, but it works. It works. And you can't stop like backyard football almost. I know it kind of sounds crazy and stupid, but like because a lot of times the play, the play in football breaks down very quickly into like the ball being snapped. There's not too many times where everything gets executed perfect because there isn't because a receiver will either get, well, like the, the corner will have perfect coverage on them. Someone slips, you know, and with the route, um, a lineman allows a pressure like this. There's never where the lineman block their assignment for the, like the entire play, the receivers get open at the exact time and get all of them get open. Like it's never going to happen like that. So half the time there's got to be just be kind of a, like I'm trying to think of a different word than just backyard football, but like, like an adjustment to where it's not just like, it's just programmed naturally. Like it just happens naturally. It's not like, okay, I'm practice. I was told this, if this doesn't like just go. And then if you see pressure come from this side, go that side go to the other side. And then if there's a guy open target him, or if there's an open lane, just hit that lane and take off, like just play football, you know? And like when you're, when you're young and go, like half the time, your athleticism, just like, like high school kids, like that go D one half the time. And like in high school football, they're just, they, they just like, have, there's not like they're, they're linemen or just random like high school kids or, you know, like they're friends, not like not too many high schools have like, like unless if you're at IMG Academy where you, your whole team is D1 athletes, but like most high schools, like, all right, you maybe have one sick D1 prospect, but then their linemen or whatever are just like random kids, but their athleticism just takes over and just wins on the, so like half the time you almost just have to do that. Now I know in the NFL pretty much everyone's at it around the same talent because they're all professionals, but 
you just kind of have to make that like natural kind of adjustment and then play backyard football. And like with the Jets, you know, the Jets O-line has been the biggest concern for that offense. I mean, that's what got Roger screwed. Now, granted, I know the turf probably didn't help. But anyways, he before like even that first play, like he got hit, you know, and then like so he was getting so many early pressures already. And then even last week, Zach Wilson did not have any time, you know, so I know like, yeah, Zach Wilson didn't like the greatest, but really he didn't have time to really like kind of be comfortable. Micah Parsons was on his face the entire time. The same thing with the Giants, you know, against the Dallas. So like there's certain things to blame. So when, when, you know, like the Jets, like, or like half the time these players are just like, yeah, you know, we just didn't execute our game plan. Like, well, what was the game plan? Like, you just hear the same thing. So, you know what? When Fields says maybe it's the coaching and he kind of meant it, like, he probably meant it, like, and like, I've said it, I already said it, like, yeah, we know the coaching sucks. And that's probably what Fields really wants to say. But he's taking the professional pro- approach and he knows he has to do it. It's not like he's been doing well with the coaching still sucks. Like, everything's just sucked. But, the, but Zach Wilson can easily blame the old line for Rodgers for him getting his head almost ripped off last week and then losing by that. So like, or even the giants, same thing through O line. So there's things to blame. So the fact that fields was pretty honest with it, I got to give him credit, but he wasn't like unprofessional or anything about it. So I think people are taking it way out of context and we just got to see him improve. Then there are, you know, there's two things we need to see the coaching improve and fields improve. And at the end of the day, I think that's all that matters. And I hope he just has that effort effort mentality and just plays his game of football that he's known for how many years that got him to be like the number one recruit in the country to land at Georgia, then transfer to Ohio state, have success at Ohio state, be a first round pick and then expect to be the franchise QB. That's what I want to see. And now I'm done and I won't talk for the rest of the episode. Like you said, Stevie, he, he had that stretch last year. So we all know that the potential is there. It's, it's just a matter. I think it's, it is a combination of execution, even though, like you said, places get broken down all the time. But a quote that I love uh, that coaches use about quarterbacks is letting him off the leash a little bit. And I think that's what the Bears need to do. And eventually you hope that they will do. So it's definitely going to be a tough challenge for them with, with, with Chris Jones back in action and you guys down a man on the line. But uh It'll it'll be interesting to see what what the future holds for the Bears, and uh, I'm glad to see that you you don't have a paper bag on your head quite yet, Stevie. I'm I'm still detecting some optimism, and and listen, one thing that we did talk about last week, a guy that we talked about with the Bears, who I guess this is positive was didn't didn't Claypool have a have a touchdown? So I mean, he did he did have a touchdown. He, he had 36 yards. That's a little glimmer right there, but um. And I didn't see too many of highlights of him not trying. And supposedly, according to Jay Glazer, who I trust, um, you know, he's on Fox Sports. So he said that Claypool apologized to the front office coaches and his teammates for his lack of effort uh, the previous Sunday before last Sunday against Green Bay. So, listen, I don't, is he going to change anything? I don't know. But the fact that he got a touchdown and who knows, maybe, maybe this is – Maybe some of this like drama the Bears need to kind of like almost all this is going on. And yes, you'd think it's um it's it, it, uh, it could really help them bring it 
bring them together. Yes. Like it's a lot of just like nonsense that you kind of hope fields will rally, rally the team together and be like, let, let's go out there and silence the noise and do something. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen this week, but it's definitely possible that there could be a turnaround. And I think that's the most important test for Fields. And then this is can he turn the ship around? Yeah. And sorry, sorry to kind of cut you off, but like this is kind of the week to do it against the Chiefs. Like if you make a statement against the Chiefs, that can really turn around, I'm not saying an entire an entire season, but like it can really change a lot of feelings in that locker room that um so maybe yeah, like I said, I, I can't think of the word like when something's like uh, keeping your attention away. Um, uh, geez, what I, I'm, I'm, my brain, uh, distraction, distraction. Yeah. So maybe they almost need this. Like, like right now, like if none of this stuff was happening and they just had, oh boy, we got the Chiefs. Like we've sucked the first two weeks. We're just gonna get our asses kicked. But now with all this other drama and stuff, like they're just like, you know what? Everyone's like hanging on us. Like all this, like just go out and play football. Like screw them. Like screw everyone. Like. Fields got an effing mentality. Maybe the defense is like, you know, they think we suck no matter what. Like, eff it. Like, you know, everyone's just kind of like eff it and just, just go play. And who knows? Maybe that's that's what they need. So, um, maybe it's too much of a distraction. They'll come out even worse. But I don't think they can play much worse than they have over the last twelve games where they have gone winless. So, we'll see. Um, I'm not expecting much. I do believe it is on TV, so I should be able to watch because the Giants play tomorrow night and then the jets play what time did the jets play from us one o'clock cbs against new england yeah so i think this is america's game of the week bears chiefs so um we'll, we'll just have to uh, i'll watch you know because they're on and i like to watch when they're on because i'm a loyal fan whether they suck or they're super bowl contenders which i have not seen in quite a while but so i, I just hope Listen, if they lose, they lose. I just want to actually watch a good game. I've not watched a good Bears game in quite a while. It's only up from here, Stevie. So it'll be uh, it'll be very interesting to see what what the what the Bears can do. But I think uh, a good point that you just made was about kind of forgetting it and forgetting the noise and and moving forward, which I think is relevant to your jets josh you know it's it's uh it's a very crappy situation with with rogers and especially coming off a bad beat last week no one wanted to see them when when dallas when uh lose to dallas and the stat seeing dallas put up 70 points against both new york teams the first two weeks hurts even more but this is a Jets team that we know can can fight and they've got a great great coaching staff and they've got some leaders on this team so what do you see this team doing to shake off this bad beat and come into week three at home against the Patriots because we've talked about this we were even talking about it before the show that these matchups between the Jets and the Patriots can be very close. And, and you know, I put a lot of faith in them last week. Bad beat. I'm putting that same faith in this Jets defense this week against seeing what the disaster that the New England offense is. So 
what are some of the keys that the Jets got to bring into to this week three matchup to to put a W back uh, back in that column? So from an optimistic standpoint, the Jets are one and zero in AFC East matchups, which is what matters at the end of the day. You look at your divisional matchups, how you handle your division opponents. They're one and zero. They have a home win against Buffalo on that Monday night football game. Huge win to start the season. Start the year one and zero. Okay, you have a tough test going into Dallas, and I didn't expect to come out with a win. So, I mean, we still have the same record as expected. We're one and one. It's just the way that we lost was not what we had hoped for, but knew that there was definitely that possibility, seeing how the Giants fared. Knew the Giants aren't that bad of a team to lose 40 to nothing. The Jets lost 30 to 10. That was a tough loss. I don't think that defines who the New York Jets are this season. And I'm sure they'll bounce back in a positive way. New England definitely is a much more favorable opponent. They don't really have as many offensive threats, so it'll help our defense, which they had a had an off week last week, so they're due for a bounce back week. Sauce Gardner had an easy pick six that he dropped. Defensive line gave uh Dak very little pressure and a lot of time to make some easy throws. Uh DJ Reed really didn't have a good week and Michael Carter didn't have a good week covering CeeDee Lamb. Dak chose not to attack Sauce Gardner, which can't really blame him. Other than that, tackling was very poor. Tony Pollard was able to break off some big runs when really he should have been stopped for short runs. So Heading into this week, tackling, making those early stops behind the line of scrimmage, holding them to one-yard gains. Ramondre Stevenson was a factor last year, so we're going to definitely be focusing on keying in on him. They also brought in Ezekiel Elliott for those red zone touchdowns, and he's yet to score this year, so I'm sure he's hungry to score at some point. And what better way for him to score his first touchdown as a Patriot than against the Jets in a divisional uh, matchup? Hopefully we can keep him out, but I'm sure the Patriots will look to attack that at some point. But on the offensive end, Zach Wilson played a very strong three quarters. The box score will not show that because how poor our offense was in general, but Zach Wilson was under a lot of pressure he hit Garrett Wilson for a beautiful 70-something yard touchdown to close the gap in the scoring. I think it was like 10-7 at that point. And then other than that, we had a field goal right before half, and that was our entire offense. It was pretty pathetic showing. Our O-line, we knew it was going to be a concern. We saw what happened with the Rodgers injury, and they were just getting destroyed. Mostly the uh, the left side with Dwayne Brown and um, Lake and Tomlinson, they were just abysmal. I I saw a quote that Rob Sol- Robert Solid does not want to switch up the line, and you know I think that's fair because you're not going to face many defenses that are as good as Dallas. So I want to wait and see see if they can improve because they're hearing all the noise and hopefully that fuels them this week against New England. They have some good pass rushers with Matthew Judon, who's caused some havoc uh, over the past several years. But if we're able to hold our own 
then I have confidence in this group going forward to be able to limit the damage. But if not, then I think after this week, we'll start to see some shifts in the O-line. And as for our playmakers, we got to let them do their thing. Zach Wilson, when he was given the time and the pocket or to roll out and make throws, he made throws, especially that one to Garrett Wilson. And other than that, there was no real opportunities for him to make plays. I don't know why they got away from the run game very early because they've said many times that that is the strength of their offense. And I get that they're working Brees Hall back in very slowly, but at some point you got to take those trainer training wheels off and let the horse uh, off the harness and let him go because he's a beast. Dalvin cook is a good backup. I would say, but just watching how he runs, maybe that's from the no preseason and training camp, but he really does not look like the same Dalvin cook that we thought we were getting, which is fine, but we got to let Brees Hall get more touches because he showed what he can do week one and week two. I expect that to be the only game that he's shut out and have a off game. I don't expect that to be a common theme from Brees Hall nor from Nathaniel Hackett. I think he called a very conservative play call against Dallas. And I don't expect that to be the norm either. And you answered my one follow-up question was, even though it's only two weeks and the on the offense only put up seven points, do you get a better feel about the offense this year? Because not only do I think Hackett is a good and and I my opinion on him changed completely. I thought he was just like an idiot and you know intelligence was not there. I think he's just a seems like a great guy in general. And I do think he's got a lot more intelligence than people might realize. And I think he's a better guy to work with Wilson, especially in this scenario now, than LaFleur, who we talked about that one tweet. That dude's got some toxic energy. So I think it, the Jets dodged a major bullet having him walk away. Yeah, I mean, you could say whatever you want. I'm not going to say it. It's true or it's not true, but I'm sure big reason why Hackett is in New York was because of Rodgers. And I'm not going to say whether that's true or not. Let the listeners argue with that. But if just watching Hard Knocks, you see Hackett's personality around the offense. Yes, with Rodgers, but also with Wilson. You see how bought in the guys are. Call not instead of calling it the red zone, it's the gold zone because of Austin Powers. You see just the jokes, yes, with Rodgers, but Zach Wilson, he looks comfortable. He looks like he's having fun again because at the end of the day, this is a a kid's game that they're playing for a living. This is football. This is a game that's supposed to be fun. And just to see them joking and having fun, and yes, it might be stressful and tough right now, no Rodgers, and you just got beat up against Dallas. How do you bounce back? because there's still more football to be played this season. One loss in week two is not going to derail your entire season, even though you might think so. Losing Aaron Rodgers week one is definitely a tough loss, and it'll hurt the uh, the Super Bowl odds, but there's still 16 more weeks to go after that. There's plenty of football left, and 
This Jets team was talked about as having a Super Bowl defense. Aaron Rodgers doesn't play defense. So we got to see that from our defense. And we're talked about having a very good team before Rodgers got here. So why not? Let's just have fun, play football, and let's get a dub against the Patriots. I I do. I want to interrupt here because I did not understand this. And it wasn't Sauce's fault. When Sauce covered CD, CD did nothing. But he was barely on CDs. And I, I saw now that Sauce was going to the coaches asking for him to shadow the best receiver the entire game. But why wasn't that the case like last game? I don't understand why you just – you have a legit lockdown guy. I mean, just as a rookie last year, he proved to be one of the best corners already. And he's now 22, 23, 24 years old. Why would – like let Michael Gallup, let Jaden Tolbert um, – uh, their uh, their other guy, like let them beat the Jets. Don't let CD. I mean, CD finished for what, like 11, 12 catches for over one hundred fifty yards. Like that's killer, dude. Be like when you have sauce. If you didn't have sauce, it was just DJ Reed trying to do that. Whatever. But put DJ Reed on Michael Gallup and stuff, and then I don't care where wherever CD lines up because you know he'll go back and forth both sides. Have sauce move right with him. And so now, you know, for next week, the Patriots, you don't have to totally worry about that because they don't have a guy like that. But when you play, I don't know who's the next, like, up, upcoming. Schedule. Oh, like when we play Miami, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle. When we play Buffalo, I Stephon was hoping Diggs. it would have been Stefan Diggs. I, I hear you. I, I'm, I think I speak for every Jeff fan saying I agree with you. But at the same time, I kind of get it only because you look at the, the Seahawks when they did, I think this, that's the, the philosophy the Jets are going for when they had the Legion of Boom. Uh, obviously, I'm not trying to compare the Jets to the Richard Sherman Legion of Boom, but it's the same philosophy because they have two very good corners. And in the Jets' mind that they have two of the top five corners and Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. And DJ Reed played at a Pro Bowl level last year, no doubt. He is not all pro like Sauce is, but he... It was one of the better corners last year. So I agree with you. My negative and my downside with DJ Reed is he gives off a lot of size. Whereas Sauce Gardner is like 6'3". He's a huge corner, but he's also so fast. So I agree with you 100%. When Darrell Revis was playing, he would shadow every corner and uh, every receiver and lock them down. I was hoping, and that's what I would have loved but it seems like their philosophy is very zone heavy instead of man to man. So in that case, they're sticking to their zone. So sauce Gardner handles the right side. DJ Reed handles the left side. Michael Carter handles the slot. That's where it was killing the jets because CD lamb would not line up on the right side or the left side. He was lining up in the slot. So he wasn't really facing either of their star corners. He was facing off against the nickel corner where if you're that's really the third corner on every team. And if you're playing a zone like the jets, you're going to take advantage of that every day. So it, it is frustrating. I was saying, cause in the first drive alone, it was like five catches. I'm like, where sauce Gardner, obviously he's not getting the ball thrown to him. It, so now, it is frustrating now. And then this will be my last question. Castle. Sorry for kind of uh, taking over like the hosting kind of duties, but I just, I, I really cannot get over this. So now, 
say, like I said, against the Patriots, they should be fine because if Kendrick Bourne and uh, Demario Douglas and those guys torture you guys, then you got to do some like rethinking of things. But so say next game, you know, the next team you play with like a legit. A legit... I, we, the, I just off the top of my head, I know in the coming weeks. So the Chiefs, they don't have receivers, but they have Travis Kelsey. The Eagles coming up after that, A.J. Brown, yeah. Devontae Smith. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of tough because they got two guys. So, like, you know, it, it's... Just use the Bills, then, as an example. Stephon yeah. Diggs. Yeah, so say the Bills. Because, uh, yeah, when you have those two guys, Devontae Smith can easily kill you. You can lock up A.J. Brown, and Devontae Smith can easily kill you. Same thing with, uh, you know, the Dolphins. You can lock up Tyreek Hill, but then Jalen Waddle can kill you. So, anyways, so say you... The next time you play a team like the Bills or the Cowboys, when they have one, like, elite wide receiver one, and then the rest of them guys are just, like... You know, where nothing to totally worry about. Like they're good players, but they're nothing serious. So say if like Stefan Diggs just shreds up again, do you think the Jets just like change enough to where they say, you know what, Sauce, you just shadow, you just shadow the like number one guy, no matter what team, who we're playing, whatever. You just never or do you think they stick to what you're saying where they just believe in their scheme that this works, we're not gonna shy away from it or do you think after a certain amount of games of possibly them getting shredded by number one guys they're like we have sauce why are we allowing this to ourselves i mean because at the end of the day like even all right you beat the bills but i mean stefan Diggs was just making those plays to where he was leading them to possibly scoring and then josh allen blew it by chucking it deep or just doing some boneheaded play and usually that's not like him but say if like these wide receiver ones make these plays to like, you know, especially like at Justin Jefferson, I mean, you have to put sauce on Jefferson. You yeah. you cannot allow. And I don't even know if you play the Vikings this year. I'm so probably... it, that'll get into my point. If you're done with your question, I'll answer it. Oh, no, yeah, you're good. I just want to, I just, what do you like? Do you think the jets would adjust to that? Or do you think they're sticking to their. their so I'm going to just say yes and no, because it worked already. And the jets showed that it worked. The only reason why this is a story right now is because of how Lamb was so successful. But really, there this wasn't a story because the Jets beat the Bills. And yes, Diggs had his touchdown where he scored against, uh, I think it was a safety. I think it was Tony Adams. Um, but last year, this is how the Jets played. And like, they obviously played Stefan Diggs. They obviously played Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. They played Justin Jefferson last year. This is the Jets' way of playing football. But football is all about making those adjustments. Like we see in baseball, you make those adjustments. And every sport, you make adjustments. So, yes, I'm sure the Jets are well aware of what the stats, the numbers say. And I'm sure that if they see someone get going... And if they see how a coach is game planning so they could counter it, I'm sure the Jets will make those changes as well. So, like, if the Jets were playing the Bears and you see DJ Moore get going early on, I'm sure that they'll call some man coverages here and there to throw off J uh, Justin Fields so he's not used to seeing zone every single play. So I'm sure down the road – Maybe this was in their game plan all along that they want to also throw in man 
instead of just strictly zone. I don't know. I'm not in those meeting rooms, but the bottom line is they got to do a better job, especially when the secondary. So that's not just sauce. That's not just uh, DJ Moore, but that's also our safeties. They got to do a much better job because that was supposed to be the strength of our team along with our D line. They got to do a much better job because we know who we got to face down the road and we've already beaten the bills. We're going to be seeing very strong teams, especially in the AFC. And we all saw what solid did with the 49ers and that defense for all those years. So very, very capable of, of flipping the switch. And I think the Jets are really going to build up momentum this week and take care of business and get what they need, get done what they need to get done. And then there's the other team in, in good old New Jersey, New York, who, you know, I was sitting last week at my house watching the game, watching the second quarter finish. And my brother's like, watch, they're going to come back. They're going to pull something out and they're going to win. And I was, and I, and I just said, you know what? I, I can't, I can't see it right now. I, I, I have feelings that this team is not going to score like they did against Dallas, but I don't know what Dable said in that locker room. I, I don't know if everyone did a bump. I, I, I don't know what, you know, shots of Red Bull. I don't know what happened, but they came out. And they put up 31 unanswered points, and we win. And it was fun. I mean, at what cost, some people might say, because Saquon is hurt, um, which goes into the conversation about the whole running back market if we have time. Um, but, hey, it was fun to see, to see them win. Um, we're still banged up. We're playing tomorrow night. We're the primetime game for Amazon against the 49ers. I'm going into this game and just saying, hey, it's Giants football. Let's uh, let's just watch the game and try to have fun with it. But we all know what this 49ers team is capable of. I'm already con- considering them a Super Bowl contender. Um, so I guess, TJ, we'll, let, let's talk about – what we saw from that game in terms of big picture, these next few games coming up, Miami or Seattle, Miami, Washington. I mean, there there's, there's some stuff that needs to be cleaned up on both sides of the ball. Um, but what were some of your biggest takeaways in terms of that? What, what, what we need to clean up. So I think one of the biggest things is the, miscommunications on defense i don't know if you've been seeing it castle in you guys too josh stevie just watching the game and just like the the miscommunication between the secondary um the linebackers it's it sometimes it looks like they don't know what exactly what exact play they're running they just wait for the ball to snap and they they just follow wherever the ball is going um, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, as uh, the first half, 
they the defense made Josh Dobbs look like prime Tom Brady. And he's a journeyman. He's been around the league for a while. I'm not knocking him in any way, but the Giants made him look like he was a they made him look like uh he was Joe Joe Montana. They made him look competitive and yeah. They made the Cardinals look competitive. They made him look competitive there for a second. Which is why, as much as I, I'm happy about the win, as any other fan, I'm not fully satisfied, as I'm sure you're not. I mean, I was going into this game and expecting a full beatdown, and instead, the first six quarters of football for us the entire season are scoreless. And it's frustrating because you add talent to this side, and you come back and you have Wink. But on the other hand, there are some guys who are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I think a lot of that has to do with our pass rush. I mean, Kayvon, I'm not going to start calling him a bust. And I'm not going to start, you know, ragging on him. But I am frustrated with him. Aziz Ojolari, we didn't take him that high. But unfortunately, he will not be a giant when his rookie contract is up. And Leonard Williams, frankly, I think his contract is in jeopardy too. He was getting beat at the line by these second-string Cardinals linemen. So I agree with you. Communication for the defense in all aspects is just not what what it should be. Actually, uh, TJ, do you mind if I go? You you stole the show anyway, Stevie. So might as well keep stealing more spotlight, huh? I'm sorry. And if you want to go, I, I don't want this is your team. I don't want to interrupt. Uh, I mean, I got nothing else as of right now, def- defense wise. Because I was just gonna say something about Kayvon. Um, because I saw Kayvon was saying, like, after last week's performance, where he had like nothing, nothing in the stat line. He's not a, a single, thing. not a single stat, Stevie. Not a tackle, nothing. But hey. He was there. He was there to help make it all happen, just like I was there to make it all happen and watch the game. I mean, but but go on with your point. So he said supposedly that um that the stat line doesn't he he was calling everyone all these so, the like people on Twitter social media GMs. Um so I listen to a point if they were calling plays to the opposite side of him there's nothing you can totally do about that. But at the same time, you you look at a guy like Micah Parsons. He wrecks the game at any moment. Doesn't matter who he's lining up against. He will wreck, he has the capability of wrecking the game. I'm obviously not saying Kayvon is in that same caliber, but the Giants drafted him that high to to be that kind of player. And you know, technically Micah was drafted lower. Micah was a 12th overall pick in the 2021 draft because the Eagles traded up. The the Eagles and Cowboys made the trade. So the Eagles got Devontae Smith because it was rumored the Giants wanted them. Then the Giants traded down with the Bears. Bears got Fields and the Cowboys took Parsons at 12. The Giants took Kayvon at what? Five? Yep. So, you know, for the fifth overall pick, but then also, and I was talking to my brother about it, he said Kayvon's been dropping into coverage a lot. If you're Wink, what are you doing with that now? I mean, like... Your brother makes a great point because his specialty is 
pass rushing. So I do not understand that, especially for a guy who's known as being so blitz crazy. Why would you not want to send a powerful guy like that at the quarterback, especially that scenario with the Cardinals? That's a great opportunity for him to get his feet wet and get extra reps attacking the quarterback. I, I don't under I you know what I could not have said it better myself. I mean, when you when you drafted him fifth overall out of Oregon, you didn't draft him for his for his pass coverage abilities. You pass, you drafted him because the dude was a menace on the D-line pressuring the quarterback. I mean, I, I remember that Rose Bowl game against Wisconsin. I was like, freaking Kayvon Thibodeau can't like he was like Micah Parsons, you know, the past two weeks. Like he was just in the backfield against Jonathan Taylor, Jack Cohn, who was a quarterback at the time. I was like this dude's going to be a monster. And then when the Giants got him, like, oh, my God, that's, like, awesome for them. Like, you know, that's, like, this is going to be, like, he's not going to be – he may not be, like, an LT or a Mike or – but, like, he's he sh- has the potential to be a pretty solid edge rusher. And it, it's, like, he's just not being utilized. Like, last year he had that slow start because of the injury and then he was a rookie. But then he started picking up speed towards the end of last year, and then obviously the season ended. So now it's, like, all right, now he has a – full year and yet it just doesn't seem like it's like same kind of thing it's like what's going on is it the coaching is it the players like it's probably it's obviously a mixture of both but don't put him to pass coverage I mean listen if you want to drop him back once or twice whatever to throw the offense off but have him freaking stand up put his hand in the dirt whatever and go attack the QB I mean that's why you got him for um, and I know he hasn't had someone on the other side as he's when healthy is a very productive player for you guys, but he's never healthy, never healthy. So nope. I don't know what it's going to take, but I mean, you, you you need that pass rush. And even, you know, in the interior, like you said, Leonard Williams, nothing. And, you know, sexy Dex, he's trying his best, but he's getting like triple teams. Yeah. He can only do so much. He needs a nose tackle. You know, you, you don't expect your nose tackles to lead your team in sacks. You know, you want your edge. He, he's getting Aaron Donald treatment, essentially. He, he doubled, doubled, doubled and tripled off the line. And he's and he's like ten times bigger than Aaron. And Donald. and that and that should leave and it leaves no excuse as to why Leonard Williams, as to why KT, as to why Aziz when he's healthy aren't in the backfield any more than they are. Even like Jihad Ward, they have him doing pass rush. And like, and the, and like that that whole point Stevie brings into question like why do they even bring in Bobby Okereke? Why do they bring in Isaiah Isaiah Simmons? That's like the- if if they're not going to utilize KT for what he's for, then what do you, what are, what are they doing? And I think I think that kind of got alluded to a little bit. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the clip, but I saw it after the game. Um, at one moment, I think it was a defensive penalty or something like that, and winks on the headset with the play sheet in front of him, and you see Dave's behind him just go. What the fuck, Wink? Yeah, he said like, "Damn it, Wink." Oh yeah, yeah. Wink. He's like, "Like, damn it, Wink," or like, "What the fuck, Wink?" Like, I think there might be like, like early, early season struggles right now with Wink trying to figure out what exactly he wants to do with his defensive scheme. Yep. So I give it like I'm personally gonna give it till like week five, week six. If I don't see production out of that pass rush, then I think there's gonna be another conversation to be had when it comes to talking about our pass rush and what's actually going on. And to your point, TJ, I mean, and like you said, what's the point of Bobby Akoriki or especially Isaiah Simmons? So 
So that just it it that defeats every purpose. So you brought in a Corky and Isaiah, especially Isaiah Simmons for the coverage, and then Corky just to be that all around linebacker. So now if you're having Kayvon drop into coverage, you, you don't have a valid pass rusher. And then you're taking away the abilities for Isaiah Simmons, what he does, or a Corky. So it's just like, what is what is the plan here? And and I just don't get it because Wink last year with a lot less talent on defense, and then Kayvon was a rookie, you know, sexy Dex, he really he was a solid player, but he didn't break out until last year. So, but he still managed to call a great defense. I mean, the Giants defense like made big plays when it mattered and really kept you guys in a lot of those games. And that's why I think you came back a lot of games. Um, because the offense wasn't always clicking, but the defense just always kind of had you guys in games. And Wink seemed to really just the little bit of talent he had managed to execute it well and call the right like adjustments and everything. And then so this year he gets more talent and then he's got like X looking loss. Yep. Uh, granted, he's got two rookie corners. I think that's really, even though they haven't played, like they played pretty well. Nice. For rookie they, they've played, they've played some pretty good ball given the circumstances. Like but it's tough. Jackson looking a little iffy on some plays. And then we go back to the defensive line. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense. But I think right now, I want to just lean on the side of Wink still trying to iron out exactly what his scheme is going to be for the season. I mean, it's only week two. There's still plenty of time. Granted, I would I would have loved at least a handful of sacks in the score sheet right now on the stat sheet. But I digress. I think it's still still early on to be panicking. I'm not panicking per se, but bringing up the topic of coaching and so on and so forth, especially given the influx of of new talent and so on and so forth. So I think I think that is where we should leave off with defense, unless we want to talk offense. But we really don't. We really don't have to unless we want to do just. Oh, I mean, start no, it's, I, that's yeah. fine by me. Yeah, I mean. Not really much to harp on with the offense um, because at the end of the day, a lot of it comes through scheming with new guys and the struggles with the offensive line. I mean, we can, we can, you know, harp more on it at another time, but nothing really to comment more on the offense at this point. Just I'll leave it at Jones historic stat line and let's bring whatever energy we can into tomorrow night's game so that and its potential for what this defense could or this offense could look like when they're fully healthy and when they're fully meshing 100 percent. exactly exactly also, also utilize jalen hyatt because that dude is a monster without jalen hyatt they don't win that game he no. hyatt will slowly get incorporated more into this system but everything that we saw in preseason and during camp was what we saw with those two plays. So before we wrap up the show, uh, we always got to hit you fantasy lovers with, uh, with a start and a sit. I totally, totally flopped last week. Um, I hate Dak Prescott, really nice guy off the field, apparently. And I respect his charitable work, but I hate you Dak and Taysom Hill. I, I don't know what I was thinking. So I'm not going to go first with, with my start this week. I don't deserve to. Um, Josh, who's your start for this week? So I was going back and forth with my start. 
I think I'm going to lean with Gus Edwards, the running back for the Baltimore Ravens. It was announced earlier that uh, Justice Hill is unlikely to play with a toe injury. They're calling up, uh, or at least they're sending to their practice squad with the intent of probably going to call up on Sunday. Uh, Kenyon Drake, who was on the team last year, so he's a little familiar with the playbook, but really hasn't gotten too much game action this far, thus far. I believe he was on the Colts during the preseason. I don't think he's gotten into a game yet this year. So it looks like it'll be the Gus Bus show on Sunday against the, the Colts, who they're dealing with their own injuries as Anthony Richardson, the quarterback, is questionable. He's still in concussion protocol. But um, I like Gus Edwards. He's that big running back, kind of a smaller version of A.J. Dillon, who really didn't have a good week last week when Aaron Jones was out. But Gus Edwards, it seems like when he gets that opportunity in the red zone, He's usually going to capitalize on runs. Lamar Jackson, obviously, you know what he's going to do. I haven't seen too many Lamar running highlights thus far, so I assume that he's trying to be cautious, trying to avoid those those big hits in which he'll allow Gus Edwards to take those big hits. So I expect a pretty good game from Gus Edwards. Colts defense really isn't too much of a of a threat. I, uh, yeah, I can't foresee any crazy thing happening for Gus Edwards to not have a solid week this week. The Gus bus. I like it. And it's funny because this ended up being the duo that we saw for a good chunk of the season last year for the Ravens. And I had both Gus Edwards and Kenyon Drake in a fantasy league. And I can tell you, that when he was healthy, Gus Edwards was the favorable back between the two of them. So great, great pick. And to go off your other point, it's funny you said that about Lamar because I have him in two league, one or two leagues, and I was thinking the same exact thing. I think it's a combination of they paid him all this money, so he might be playing a little more conservative, and he's got more guys to throw to now. So I do think the run more of the running game we'll see will come from their backs. So very solid pick. TJ, who we starting this week? Funny you ask. I was just getting my research ready for it. It's not about much research, but I digress. Um it could be a sneaky pick this week, and I might do it in my own lineup. Um someone who could give you some solid points if you're in need. Give me Christian Kirk. I like that a lot. He had an explosion last week in fantasy going off for 21 points with 11 catches on 14 targets for 110 yards. Given the addition of Calvin Ridley being back reinstated in the NFL, I think that's going to draw a lot of... uh, They're going to concentrate a lot more on Calvin Ridley and it's going to free up Christian Kirk a lot to give, give that easy outlet for Trevor Lawrence and uh, get oh, last year, given the two meetings, Christian Kirk was held very, uh, to very small numbers, only I think 32 yards over the course of the two meetings. So I expect uh, a bounce back performance, especially against the Texans who have seemed to have his number the last two meetings per se. Um, 
and given it, and like I said before with with Ridley, the the offense week to week for Jacksonville picking a picking their target, who you want to start, who you want to sit, could be just a weekly game based on matchup. But I think this week a solid pick for a start in a, either starter or a flex. Go Christian Kirk. He could give you some solid points if you're in need this week. Captain Kirk. I love the pick. I, I had Kirk in one of my leagues last year, and he was a great wide receiver, two great flex. I just – I vibe with the Jags a lot this year. And, uh, yeah, I think having him, Zay Jones – Evan Ingram and with the return of Ridley, they like to spread the ball a lot more. And I think he's very favorable in the slot. So great pick so far. We're two for two on our starts. Stevie, who are we starting? So this might seem kind of like a no brainer start, but I don't know. So Jameer Gibbs is my pick. Um, What's the deal with Montgomery? Is it multiple weeks? That's what they were saying. So on the fantasy app, he's listed as questionable, but I think he's going to miss time. So that's where I throw Gibbs in because Gibbs, a lot of people kind of targeted somewhat high in, in fantasy, not as high as like Bijan, but I think Gibbs went in that like second round, third round kind of range. But now his first two weeks of the year, he hasn't done anything you know like a lot of people especially with the way the lines were hyping him up like oh we're gonna use him all over so you thought like he was gonna get catches a bunch of catches he was gonna get rushing yards he was gonna have these explosive like plays like he did with Alabama and so far he hasn't uh and then Dave Montgomery's been like the lead back but now with Montgomery possibly out for a few weeks I think this is Gibbs time to shine you know every rookie needs unless if you're a Bijan or Saquon where you just kind of come in and and I know Bijan, there's Tyler Algier there, but like it's Bijan. Um, and then Saquon, no one was in ahead of him. He was like the guy from the start. So, anyways, with Gibbs, I think this week against um, oh wait, hold on, who are they playing? But anyways, this is his breakout game. And I think this is so not only will he have a just a great week for himself, but also for fantasy. So I think. If you have, like, obviously most people that have him will start him, but if if some people have enough running backs and are hesitant on him, I say start him because, oh, they're going they're going against Beach on the Falcons. So I think the two rookies, you know, will kind of be going shot for shot, in, in my opinion. Um, it's just like the Falcons' defense, defense is anything tremendous. Um, Jordan Love threw three touchdowns on them. So, I mean, he threw three touchdowns on the Bears' defense, but – Falcons defense is nothing crazy. So I, I don't see why Gibbs cannot do anything well. It's just a matter of, it seems like Dan Campbell never knows how to, in the offense, they don't like to utilize their running backs the proper way. Like Swift last year, they always like to go with the backup. Jamal Williams was always getting the points. Even though they have Swift, this like such a, you know, he's such a weapon. And then they would just always use Williams. So use Gibbs. Use Gibbs. You draft him in the first round for a reason. So, but I think finally this will be his breakout game, especially in the Montgomery. So start him. Another great pick. I think he definitely has a favorable matchup this week. St. Brown is questionable. So that could shake up the offense as well. So very, very nice pick. 
and my start this week. And I'm not trying to uh, to kick you while you're down, Stevie, but I'm saying start Sky Moore this week against your Bears. Um, Isaiah Pacheco is currently questionable. Kadarius injury, Prony Baloney is currently questionable. So if both of those guys do not play, this leaves some other guys that are named not Travis Kelsey uh, vulnerable for a big game. He's coming off a 16-point fantasy week, um, 70 yards and a touchdown. And the Bears defense is in a vulnerable position right now for Mahomes to have a very big game. So if you can squeeze Sky Moore somewhere in your offense, I would highly recommend it. And we'll move to sits now. I'll get mine out of the way. I don't have a specific name. And uh, pre-show strategy, this was the suggestion that was given. So I'm going to roll with it. If you have any wide receivers, um, I'm going to say including tight ends too. Any receivers or tight ends with the Patriots, sit them. I do not see this offense doing anything well against this Jets defense. Big, big week for the Jets defense incoming. Mac Jones is going to have a disgraceful game. Um, So, okay, I'm retracting part of that statement. If you have Hunter Henry or Mike Gusecki, play him. But if you have any of the receivers, wide receivers, sit them. Reed, Gardner, Whitehead, they all got Mac Jones's number all the way back from the Alabama days. So we're saying kibosh, sit, no good. Josh, who are we sitting? You said something that was really interesting. You said you want to kick Stevie when he's down, right? No, I, I think it might have glitched or you, something. I said I don't want to kick the man. Oh, yet. okay. So you just said it again. We're going to kick Stevie while he's down, and we're going to bench Justin Fields. Stevie. Josh, do you work for the Chicago media? This is your time to tell us. I, Steve, I, think Steve, I, I just want to repeat that so you hear. I am benching Justin Fields. Hey, I mean, it's your call. I, I think, yeah, listen, his first two weeks. Perfect. I'm muting you. It's This is my time to shine, not yours. We're benching Justin Fields. I... Look, this could go one or two ways. This week could just continue and just be like the same old bears that, you know, no one is expecting them to go into Arrowhead. Do well, let alone get a win. That's, you know, you want to see the bears compete. You want them to play hard. That would be like a moral victory, which there are none in football. But for the bears after the week that they've had, being competitive with the reigning Super Bowl champs, that would be a moral victory. You would take it any day of the week. Justin Fields, this could be his breakout game that the Barrier fans have been waiting for. Maybe they open up the offense. It's not as tricycle, uh, uh, training wheels type offense. Bear fans want them to take them off, you know? And if that's the case, you know, 
he is gone. It's thrown into the river and never to be seen again. Stevie's ready to roll. And if that's the case, I expect to see a very sloppy Justin Fields. I've not been impressed with his play at all this year. Yes, his O-line has been bad. His receivers aren't aren't able to get much separation. DJ Moore, yeah, he's, he's putting in the effort, but he really hasn't looked like he's fully into NFL game shape just yet, but he's getting there. So I expect Justin Fields, who I believe is one of has the lowest release uh, from snap to release. It's like one of the slowest times, causing a lot of his sacks. He already through two games has been sacked ten times, as well as three interceptions on the season already. I expect a couple turnovers, some sacks, and a brutal day for Mister. Numero uno for the Chicago Bears. It's a good, it's a good move. I hate to say it. I hate to say it. I'm even starting the Chiefs defense. I hate to say it, but let let's let's get your vibes back up a little bit, Stevie. Give us uh give us a good sit for the listeners for this week. His sit is also Justin Fields. I know. He told me before the show. I didn't say I didn't say I don't know what what Steve you're talking to. Um, now listen, listen, before I get mine, I, I can't fault you for how for saying that because he, his play has not resulted into, especially for where, you know, him being drafted as a higher QB. Like, yeah, no, I, I can't blame you. And, you know, the chiefs just getting Chris Jones back. Like that's going to wreak havoc on the bears interior. So O-line. So I, I can't get mad at you. Um, it's just funny because, you know, when castle, when against you know like picked uh picked someone against the Bears, he said a lot more kinder, um. So it, it that's why it was a lot. It was better hearing it from Castle than it is from you. But um, like Castle said, I think you work for the Chicago media, or or you or you work like for some organization that just has it out for my teams that are not like besides the Yankees because we both like them. But you know. For the rest of my teams, I like you're out against them. I, I don't know why, uh, but it's not about that. It's about who I'm sitting, and who I'm sitting is a running back for the Houston Texans. Uh, I forgot what number he is. Thirty-one, maybe. Damian Pierce. Uh, and he's a guy who I'm high on. Who are they playing this week? The Jaguars. Who the Jaguars defense is. Not the best, but not the worst. But the run defense is pretty solid. And, you know, they pretty much shut down the Colts rushing attack week one. Last week, Pacheco didn't do anything tremendous, but he did better than what the Colts did. But in Damian Pierce, first week, he got about a little under six. I mean, I don't know. It depends on the scoring for the league. But, you know, in my league, he got 5.7, then 4.5. And this was a guy who last year was one of the top fantasy backs. Um, you know, not like top three, but like I think he was a top 10, top 15 back. And plus last week, Shroud threw for like 40, had like 40 pass attempts. Um, so if if the ground game's not there, they have no problem airing it out with Shroud, even though he's a rookie. And Nico Collins has been great. And so, like, you know, clearly they don't mind that. And I mean, just 11 attempts, 38 yards week one, 15 attempts, 31 yards last week. It, like, it's not like he's he hasn't even broken 50 yards rushing yet. Um, and 15 attempts, it's not like it's like, 
you know, eight attempts. I mean, that's 15 is if you're getting from 15 to 20 attempts, that's a pretty solid, you know, um, like game that you like workload for a game. So I'm not too high on him. We'll see what he does, but you know, I got him in some leagues, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit him uh, because I just, I don't feel confident in rolling him out with what he's doing. It's not like he one week and he hasn't even scored a touchdown yet. You know, at least a touchdown would kind of save that, but he just is not. So I think they really just want to keep unleashing shroud and see what he's got um and getting more i mean the only way you're going to get more comfortable with your rookie quarterbacks almost just throwing them the just with anything you know with your job with our jobs and everything you you just kind of learn by doing so for shroud the only way he's going to get more comfortable by is just continue going out there not just passing for two times but passing a decent amount and if, if the running game's not there for the texans then you know you might as well throw it so yeah i i i just i'm going to sit pierce and you know if, so if you got damian pierce sit him I'm a fan of him. I think he's a tough runner, but I do think looking at this matchup that this is a divisional game that Jacksonville usually doesn't lose, won't want to lose. And I think Doug Peterson will have a great job applying pressure to the offense as a whole. So great pick TJ, take us home, my friend. Yeah. So I'm hopping on the uh, Patriots theme with you. And you you must have read my mind or something pre-show or or something just now. But if you have Mac Jones as one of your quarterbacks, please for for everything. Why would you have him as one of your quarterbacks? Is the first that question. too that too? There's something there's something wrong with you in in your head if you have Mac Jones as one of your quarterbacks. And if you do, in the odd chance, please don't start him. Please do not start him until Bill Squared can, to quote Pat McAfee, figure it out. They you don't take any offensive player at all. There, it it's 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 not good right now in New England. The offense is atrocious. The defense has a few bright spots, but nothing really to write home about. It's uh, it's some dark times in New England. And they haven't been this dark since, I don't know, pre-Tom Brady. 2001 was, the last, uh, was before Tom Brady, right? Yeah, so give yeah. give it, there we go. So actually, no, this is probably the darkest it's been since Tom Brady left the Patriots. Because mm. I knew some Patriots fans who were down horrendously bad. They still are to this day. but Yeah, they're still not over it, but they, they try. Um, yeah, for, from this moment forward, I'll let you know next week. And I really don't think it's going to change because I, I'm, I'm quite high on, on the Jets defense as Josh, you know, um, yeah, don't, don't start any Patriots player at all. And, uh, specifically Mac Jones, he, he's, he's been awful all season so far. He looks confused he makes some really, really questionable decisions. And I think the worst decision of all is he decided to play for the Patriots. So in closing, my friends, to take us home, please sit Mac Jones. Please. 
sit that man and don't take him off the bench until further notice. That was extremely poetic. And that is a great way to end this week's episode. Thank you all for listening as always. Shout out to TJ. He's been pumping out the content for our favorite season. Keep an eye on those posts. Thank you all the fans for listening. Another great week of football awaits. And let's hope we come into next week's episode. If we do football, we could be spicing it up next week. You'll just have to listen and see. But if we discuss football next week, let's hope we're, amongst other things, we're talking about our teams in a positive light. And on that note, good night, thank you, and see you folks next week.